Um, I have to pee really, really badly out of nowhere. Uh, well, hopefully out of your penis. <laughs> Can we take a two-minute break? <laughs> <laughs> oh, please let that be the first, like, we, have the, we always have, like a, like, a really, like, hilarious <laughs> line at the beginning, and then you just do the song. That needs to be it. Gomer, I went bowling tonight. It was amazing. Luke, you... You sent us the best picture, which is you wearing bowling shoes. (laughs) Why did you go bowling? Okay, so a couple of – so one of my good buddies, Pat, who does a lot of cool stuff here in the Archdiocese of who knows where, he decided to form a bowling team for some of the adults in the area. And there were a lot of people who were were interested but couldn't really commit because of just – Millennials. Yeah, there's that. And so I was one of the subs. Because we tend to record on a Wednesday night, and I was like, hey, man, like, I, there are some nights where we, we have an interview. I've got to be back at 10. I can't just, like, abandon, you know, what we're doing here. But um, tonight, we, we do not have a guest, and they needed a they needed another person. And I was like, I'm in. Loved it. I sucked the first. So you play, like, three games. I sucked the first game. I bowled, I bowled like, a 72. Then I kind of found my form for the last two. It wasn't great. Or really even good, but it was much better than pathetic. And there was so much beer to be had. And if you threw two gutters in a row in one frame, you had to take a shot in the in the corner. It's called a gull, not, not not a gully, a grizzly or something, or a a gimli. I don't remember what. But anyways, a, a gimli, son of glory. Yeah. So <laughs> I um okay. So what's the name of the big purple thing from McDonald's? Do you, do you remember uh, yeah. that? Yeah, I know what you're it's talking about. It's the same about, name as that, so whatever that is. So I didn't realize you had to go all the way to the corner, and Pat forgot to, like, scream it out. So I just went I so like, I went like nearby, and I, like, took a shot, and people saw what I was doing because it's supposed to be, like, a big deal, and they were supposed to cheer. But because I didn't call it out, or it, my team did not, and I didn't actually go all the way to the corner, everyone just started booing me, <laughs> like 100 people. It was so funny. The answer is Grimace. 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 A grimace. Ronald McDonald, Grimace, grimace Hamburglar, Birdie the Early Bird, Fry Kids, Mayor McCheese, Officer Big Mac, and Professor McDonald's. Wow, there's a lot more than I thought there was. That's a lot of characters, kids. I thought there were like three. I thought you had like Ronald McDonald. I, I knew there was that one girl or something. Birdie the Early Bird. The guy who steals stuff because there's a great like Simpsons bit on that. The Hamburglar? Yeah, where it's like, stop, he's already dead. He's already dead. <laughs> so funny. So, dude, I loved it tonight, though. It was because, I, like, I think we've talked about this book before. The book Bowling, uh, Bowling Alone came yeah. out in, like, the early 2000s or so. So, really quick, it's about how – so, like, we tend to, like, talk about how people, like, have have um, left the church and that, you know, like, obviously is a problem. And the church has their own issues. Looking at you, McCarrick, um, and Whirl. And God knows who else. And but anyways, uh, like one thing that has been going on is like participation in communal events across the board have declined. So people don't join card clubs. People don't join uh, like Lions Club. People don't join, you know, um, the Chamber of Commerce, all sorts of things. And so I was excited to do this because it felt like a part of like an Americana that I really don't know that well. You know, I remember my great grandfather used to bowl. He had his own bowling ball, his own of shoes. I got them all when when he died, and I was really excited about because I'm like, you know, this is just. I was such like a like this is what community is about, and everyone that we bowled against were so crude, but so much fun. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. The interesting thing about bowling alone that I love is he illustrates that the like 
baby boomers dismiss millennials and their lack of involvement across the board. But that lack of involvement was begun by the baby boomers. So, like, when you have the previous generation because of World War II and the Depression, they were super civically minded. But it was like jumping off a cliff when it came to baby boomers. We are just completing the trend. But the thing was, we weren't mm-hmm. raised in it. So even whatever, like, residue from the the habits of civic mindedness are not even a part of millennial culture. So it's very rare, unless you're, like, a freaking Eagle Scout or something, it's very rare to have young people our age, 30s or younger, who think actively about this stuff, other than activism, right? So I don't mean activism like going and protesting. I mean civic engagement. And one of the ways that illustrates is bowling alone. It's so crazy. Yeah, yeah. And it's really, uh, you know, I, I mean, I thought about it a lot because I knew I wanted to talk about it on the podcast and whatnot. I'm talking into the mic. Are you happy? Uh, um, yes, I am. <laughs> I uh, changed the DBX up a bit. Anyways, um, uh, but, 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 yeah, and, and so I thought about it like a lot it just kind of you know one of the things like um really hit me was back in the day you didn't have any other option it was just like a thing that you did because it was a good part of life and for us i think it's always a constant revisitation to this idea that oh it's really good to interact with other people in an organized way in meat space (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and just a way you know because and and like it was not this like mind-blowing great thing it was just a really, really good thing. It was yeah. really good to be there. It was good to hang out with people. Even though the team that we played against were super crude, they were super nice and really fun. And I really enjoyed hanging out with them. And they like told us about like how they like, they were like very helpful to all of us. It wasn't like a, it wasn't a huge um, competition. It was just they just wanted <laughs> to drink and like have a good time. It was great. I was so much fun. You know, I think about that. I have a couple conversations that bounce in my head that I keep bringing up every so often. Like there's this guy that I know he's in in my church and he doesn't have a any men in his life, you know, that care about him in terms of Catholic community. He doesn't have any mm-hmm. doesn't have any male friends. He only has acquaintances. And so I was thinking about that in the terms of, you know, what's going on and like how can I reach out to him? But our personalities are nothing alike. And so I'm like, I need the, – the only way I can reach out to someone like that is by having a potluck and inviting people that are more like him, you know, to my thing. And so I think about this stuff all the time. But uh, he went to a men's group, a dad's group, and just did, didn't like it at all. And I was like, oh, man, the guys that are there, though, are really good dudes. They're a little bit older, but they're really good dudes. You know, he's not going to like any of my friends. <laughs> you know, like I'm thinking like strategically, like how can I break into this guy's world? But I was thinking – do you remember when we interviewed the dude from Bad Christian, Pastor Joey Has No Answers? Do I ever? Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> of course. It's your favorite podcast for a time. Um, so I think about when he said he hates small talk. Mm-hmm. And it really pissed me off when he said that. And I only have gotten more and more angry. Like, not angry like that he said it, but like he is only interested in having serious conversations. You don't care about my... But people don't understand, small talk is a form of belonging to other people. It doesn't have to be like, tell me your secrets or be vulnerable. It can just be like what you're saying, like two groups of people that otherwise would never meet. You're all there for the common good of drinking alcohol and throwing a weighted ball down <laughs> down mm-hmm. a well-oiled wooden lane. But it's like that notion of like, for that night, it's just y'all and y'all have, y'all belong to each other. Yeah. And you're not going to talk about the deep emotional important things in your life and that's good like human beings need to not do that 
Um, what was that one book that we got really into at the beginning of the year last year? I think has it already been the year? I think you're thinking of Sense and Sensibility. <laughs> what, uh, um, yes. Pride and Prejudice. Jane, oh no, sorry, no Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre, written by Jane Austen, not confusing I, at all. Yeah, I fell in love with you when I went blind. I think that was the part. Um, <laughs> I think you wouldn't know because you were homeschooled. <laughs> Did you ever read like Jane Eyre? No. <laughs> yeah, you, you, like you missed probably a lot of books, haven't you? <laughs> you have, you freaking have. Have you read the great? Have you read the? Okay, I'm okay. Pause. Oh, okay, here I'm we go. get back to this. Okay. Have you read the great? Have you read the great Gatsby? No. Have you read Bless Me Ultima? No, I've never even heard have, of it. Oh, you need to read that book. Okay. Have you? Okay, I'm gonna go through all the books that I remember from, reading really, really from quick. high school. Yeah, yeah. Had have you read uh, Hamlet? Uh, I've read Julius Caesar. Have, okay. Have you read Macbeth? I read Julius out, Caesar. Out, damn spot out. Uh, have what else did we read? Oh man, have you read uh, the Scarlet Letter? Yes. Ha, okay, good. That's actually a Scarlet Letter was book. like eighth grade though, or maybe ninth grade. But like Scarlet read, Letter, uh, Lord of the Flies. Like ninth grade. Okay, so, if you read, so if, okay, have you read Animal Farm? Oh yeah, Animal Farm in nineteen eighty four, back to back. Yeah, uh, I forget. And I wanna, like, and Brave New World, all back to back. Oh, brave man! Brave New World. That was a depressing I, year I, for me. <laughs> I need, yeah, seriously. I need to go. I think that is the book of our times. I need to go back to that book. Cool. Um, we should do a podcast where we just talk about books that like you missed, and because you can was, read them, you and know, then it's we'll so, talk about them. It's so funny you say that because every so often I'll talk to like an AP student in high school, and I'll be like, "So, what books are you reading in literature? <laughs> what did I miss? What did I miss in my <laughs> uber Catholic?" Uh, you know, the funny thing was the Lord of the Flies, all that stuff, except for Animal Farm in nineteen eighty four. Those were all Seton homeschooling, whatever. But the um, Julius Caesar did and, the work, yeah, and the Lord of the Flies. Those were all when I was in ninth grade at Bishop Kelly. Catholic high school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, mm. Okay. Go on. We'll, we'll get back to that. I, I think this could be a thing down, <laughs> down, down the road. Okay. We will come back to that. Um, okay. So anyways. And this is the part of the show where we exploit Gomer's homeschooled <laughs> ignorance. Da, da, da. <laughs> Secular world. Oh, my gosh. Um, so uh, we talked about uh, – so, okay, so anyways, we're uh, going back to, like, mm-hmm. the whole small talk thing. Yeah. There's, this, there's one audio book that you and I both – listen to to try to get better at interviewing people because we blow at it oh I think we're better now yeah 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 Do you remember? um we need to chat we need to talk by yeah, and, uh celeste headley who's an npr interviewer and she talked about how like like you know because it's like everyone's like oh i hate small talk blah 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 and she said people who engage in small talk it's pruned they're actually more mentally happy that sounds weird keep in mind i've been drinking everyone they they're just they're like a bit more like happier overall i think because it there's like a natural just like it's an, it's just like there's like a high that you get out of that or something like that i don't well, know exactly you can understand why that well you can understand that you're it's it's a no pressure entry point to enter people's lives and you're mm-hmm. not like it's the idea of like don't talk about religion and politics like there's a place for talking about things that you care passionately about but it's like adoration if every adoration you ever went to was the saturday night of a Steubenville Youth Conference, you would never go to adoration. You would stop. Be emotionally exhausted. Yeah, it's exhausting. And so if every conversation you had had to be deep and meaningful and all that stuff, it would it would be exhausting. And so I think it is beautiful that you can belong to people. And this is the thing about my community groups by my book. Um, within radical communities, the very first thing I talk about is this notion of community that we're trying to aim for is not public, like an arena, nor 
intimate like a bedroom it's in between it's like uh like a party or bowling or gathering mm-hmm. a, a potluck at a dinner table like the or idea you is just, like go to the grocery store and like check out food yeah well you know? a little bit more okay so the 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 way it's like public belonging is the most broad and social is right under that so social can be like my ideal of a social is like my dad used to have these like office parties that my mom would go to. There'd be like 200 people from the company at this mm-hmm. party. And my mom didn't know everyone, but there's a lot you can presuppose about corporate drones at an office party. And there's a lot in common. You know, most of them live in the burbs. Most of them have kids. Most of them, most of them, most of them. So there's already ways of belonging that just because you're fans of the Texans and you're at a football game, you're not going to have that extra level of belonging. But that still doesn't mean how you belong to each other at that arena doesn't matter. And that's where the area of small talk between the public and the social, I think it matters because you're not just feeling people out, but you are actually getting to know and communicate with other people, but in a way that doesn't, like, it's not going to tax you to talk about the weather. Oh, man, how about this weather we're having? Oh, right, it gets hotter every year. Am I right? Oh, you believe in global warming. Well, well, let's have a conversation. You you don't have to do that, right? You don't have to constantly be on the defensive and think of arguments and remember your talking points. You can Mm -hmm. just do that. And I think... The uh, other cultures praise small talk more as a sign of politeness, like the Japanese culture in, in Britain. Exactly. Culture. And I, th- I think in America, I, I understand it's less pragmatic. Let's just get to the point. But I think we're, you know, and this might be a cause of anxiety, but I think we're missing that easing ourselves into the, you know, the baby pool of the social world. If you're afraid of water, you don't jump in the deep end. You go in the baby pool. It's half mm-hmm. urine anyway. Small talk. <laughs> just enjoy it. Well, you know, you know what's funny? And like, um, one thing that that book talked about was, so I used to get really embarrassed because Aaron would always try to make small talk with a, with like the cashier at a store. I'm like, why are you doing this? Just get this over. Let's go. <laughs> and you know, there'd be a pause and like, you know, like Aaron was like, how is your day? Where are you from? And I'm like, who gets a shit? Um, what's your so darkest fantasy? Exactly. Are you more a Cardi B fan or are you on the Nicki Minaj side? Because I'm more like Nicki Minaj, but I really like Cardi B. Let's be honest. That's a true thing that Aaron feels. That's horrible. Let's be honest. Nicki Minaj has a thousand times more talent than Cardi B, but she brings so much drama. Cardi B's winning on the on the lack of drama. Oh. And Cardi you B's know a Catholic. lot about that. Uh, only <laughs> it came up in. Uh, I like. I like. Um, no, but. It but came anyways, up on a YouTube auto video. It wasn't my fault. My <laughs> wife was there. Oh, feelings. It's it's really unfunny how many Catholic wives like have an opinion on the Cardi B like Nicki Minaj thing. Like everyone I know who is Catholic and is and like who's a woman who's somewhat like level headed and isn't like weird has an opinion on that. I'm gonna have to ask my uh, wife's opinion. No, I guarantee you that she has one. Or she's weird because she likes NASCAR. Um, so, anyways, like <laughs> um, one of the things nailed it <laughs> in this book. Is that if you're not good at small talk and you want to get better at it because there's a lot of like mental health yeah. stuff that really you know goes along with that, is start to do small talk with people who have to engage in small talk with you. That's where right. they're paid to do that. So that's like the ca- that's the cashier at a grocery store, your waiter, yeah. um, your Starbucks barista. You know, like people you have to interact with. And I started doing that. A little bit more. And I was like, this actually is kind of nice. Like, it's just, it's it's nice to have a pleasant interaction where you say, like, how's your day? Or I make a joke about a thing. Or, you know, whatever. And it's, it's you know, it's really, really nice. And I'm like, man, Aaron was right. And I'm just a douchey husband. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, well, I mean, we all knew that. So. It's true. Aaron was right. I'm a douchey husband. 
the Luke Carey story. <laughs> the, uh, you know, my dad used to always say one of the great entrance, entry points into small talk is through an awkward compliment. Wow, you have very mm. shapely hips, ma'am. <laughs> Never done that in a small talk conversation. Ma'am, uh, you have the body frame of a Coke bottle. You'd be very popular if it was 1924. <laughs> What are you, smuggling beach balls? Oh, you are Nicki Minaj. I apologize, man. <laughs> I apologize. I'm on know. your side. I'm on your side. I'm on your side of the argument. I'm on your side. Boo, Cardi B, boo. <laughs> I know she's Catholic, but boo her. She's clearly not practicing judgment. <laughs> uh, hey, speaking hey, wait, hold on, hold on, of hold on. judgment. Let me do yeah. a Cardi B comment real quick. Okay. So I smashed my kid's play set with a baseball bat because it was broken. And I had to break it all up. Well, I didn't have to Happened. do it that way, but it was a lot of fun. You but, didn't do it. I, I would have been fun to do when I flew out there. Oh, I'm so sorry, Luke. It was a hazard. It had to come down. And I had a lot of <laughs> angst. Um, so, it, kind of rack. <laughs> so I literally smashed the whole thing with a baseball bat. It was so fun. But uh, then I realized there are wood chips everywhere that are sharp daggers. And my kids run barefoot. So dad foul. Um, so I take <laughs> this stuff out and I'm unscrewing the 1,000 screws that held this play set together. And a neighborhood kid comes across the street. And she's hanging out. She has some, uh, maybe a relative, like a cousin or whatever. And it's Christmas time, right? And she has an iPhone because she's seven. And uh, Holy crap balls. She has an iPhone because she's seven? Seven, Luke. That's insane. Well, that, well enjoy, enjoy the therapy, kid. Enjoy the therapy. High school and junior high will be a blast. Yeah. Go on. So she is playing music, and I'm unscrewing all this wood in the garage, and they're down at the bottom of the driveway. And I real I remember a phrase that oh, here we go I'm going to say it again that Matt Frat had said where when you buy a kid a, a, an iPhone it's like having a high definition pornographic theater in your pocket and then he said that mm-hmm. in response to one of my employees who said that their kid looked at porn not at their house but at a neighbor who brought over an iPhone with it on and it's like well your neighbor is an idiot for giving a kid an iPhone and so now you you're like you're not nervous about your own kids. Now you're nervous about what other kids have that you know maybe you don't share the same values. And we do not with this neighbor. And so we have the most conflicts with this one neighbor. And uh, all of a sudden I hear Cardi B and it's an unedited explosion. Oh no. And I just walk down to the end of the driveway. And my daughters are clueless, right? They hear the music or whatever and I go, "Hey, uh, at my house we don't listen to Cardi B." And she goes, do you know who Cardi B is? And I go, yeah, and we don't listen to her. And she goes, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Okay. And then Katiri's like, what's a Cardi B? You know, like they're just utterly clueless. But <laughs> Cardi it was... B is a stripper who has a, a Caribbean background, I believe. And a monotonous voice that could bore a hole through drywall. <laughs> I can't stand it. Yet, yet 20, uh, yet 20, uh, 24-year-old white girls across America adore her. I don't understand it. Don't yeah. Know. Looking at you, Sarah Rose. Looking at you. Inside jokes give you inside listeners. Um, what do you do when a kid does like, I mean, like what, like, how do you, do you tell the parent? Do you just kind of like step in and say, Hey, no, we no, don't do that here and just move on They're uh, Okay. So I don't know these people very well. They are enigmatic. Their life is very interesting to me. Someone from the outside looking in and I don't, I don't know if I – like, the first time I met the guy, he goes – I was like, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. See, so you just moved in. My name's Mike. I live right across the street. My wife's name Shannon. You know, we uh, we have kids. I have four kids. And he goes, whoa, four kids, man. When I have my second kid, snip, snip, no thank you. 
<laughs> and I was like, I don't need to know. We're going to be the best of friends. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, testicle jokes get you testicle friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, I, and so I looked at him. I said, well, I could tell you're neutered. And we just kind of went on from there. Uh, no, but he's. I just stared deep into his eyes and went, I can tell you are neutered. Anywho. <laughs> I could tell it from a mile away. I could smell it on you. Smell of estrogen. The uh, I smell the neuterization. <laughs> the neuterization. It's not so much something, namely the lack of something. Your balls. <laughs> I still have my balls. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know how this. So stuff how works. do you pee, sir? <laughs> <laughs> this is getting complicated. Um, so he was like, "How do you do it with four kids?" And I was like, "Oh, you just keep trying." Um, but it was weird. It was weird. And so that conversation kind of set off a whole chain of things. So I can't understand their family from, you know, like, do you do this thing where you people, do you people watch ever? Do you ever go and like sit up? Oh, all the, all the time. Okay. So one of the things I used to do when I used to go drinking as a young adult, like all the time is I used me and a buddy, Daniel, we would go and take, I would do edge as a youth minister, then take the edge off at a local British pub. And we would or I would, and he would just make fun of me. I would invent all these backstories like, hey, here's a 52-year-old divorcee who is drinking his child support money instead of giving it to that whore of an ex-wife. You know, like we run, <laughs> we create these elaborate scenarios about these. Because here are these businessmen who are coming home from work, I'm assuming, and they're just, they're just drinking for like six hours. And uh, so I'm like, I hope you're not going home to a family because that would be a terrible way to see dad, you know. But then the cute waitresses would walk by and they would, those waitresses, I'm telling you, it is an art form the way they have these men eating out of the palm of their hand. You know what I mean? Like they do that thing where they brush up against mm-hmm. and they put their hand on your on your arm and all of a sudden you think you're best friends and they're just getting They're like low table. level uh, kind of flirt with you but not so direct that you're crossing any lines per se uh, 100% that is an excellent way to put it low level flirting where it's right up to the edge but not truly crossing a line mm-hmm. and uh, and you just see these men so I would create these backstories that this guy you know hates his ex-wife and you know blah 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 she's moving on but I, I'm great right now I'm still I was to I was the captain of the football team you know and we come up with these mm-hmm. 87 was a great year <laughs> Is not as good as 2001, but still, go yeah. on, sir. So I do that for my neighbors because I can't figure out their living situation. At one point, it seems it seems like they're divorced, but they live in the same home. That's as close mm. as I can come to it. Otherwise he, known as a crappy marriage. Yeah, but it's like he and she are never there at the same time. She oh, like yeah. chain smokes at one o'clock in the morning. Oh, there are other people who are there that watch their kids. But I've seen them all. I've seen the wife and the girl. Who I think she's a in her twenties. Like I've seen them like drunk. And so, uh, mm-hmm. like the other night, I hear all these like screams. Didn't I tell you this? Like the screams, and I thought someone was like hurting a woman. So yeah, I, I, I went so. outside. I was going to go outside, and I'm th- so thankful that I didn't. I just opened my blinds to look at the front door, and it was just these. They're just drunk and they're screaming and yelling and all this stuff while the this mom is just like watching them. And I think they're the kids babysitter. I don't know. It was weird. Everything is weird. So I can't, I don't, I, I tried to small talk with this guy like two or three times, but now I just invent crazier and crazier backstories. <laughs> uh, they're probably Russians. Hey, um, I have a topic before we get into that topic. Can I tell you about a cool, about a cool new sponsor? You know what? If you don't tell me about a cool new sponsor, uh, I'm going to be really sad because I just found out. My kids need hundreds of dollars worth of orthodontics work, so bring on the sponsorships. 
patreon.com slash cf uh guys we're sponsored by the amazing parish so uh if you, if you do not know what the amazing parish is it's an apostle i believe they're a non-profit yeah uh started by patrick lencioni and can you explain to the kids really quick who he is yeah patrick is a founder of a consulting firm that helps mostly like c-level executives work better he's very into leadership wrote a whole series of books that i've been reading for Probably over a decade now. Yeah, probably 13, 14 years. Um, mm-hmm. Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Love that book. That, love, love, love that, that book. That book is phenomenal. That book is phenomenal. The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Uh, Death by Meeting. Death by Meeting was the first one that I had because of my now wife's previous job where she had meetings that would be three, four hours of nothing weekly. It was crazy. Um, and then there's a whole series of books that he's written. My favorite is The Advantage where he talks about the number one advantage in a competitive landscape is obviously going to be organizational health. So that's what he focuses on, a lot of organizational health. And he applies that knowledge to in, in joining people like Jeff Cavins, the priest, and the dude from uh, Rebuild, but that was back in the day. That was when they first launched. Um, the guys from Divine Renovation, Sherry Waddell. There's a whole bunch of people that all came together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Curtis Martin from Focus to help parishes become amazing because what was happening was you have great youth ministries, you have great college ministries with Focus and other organizations, and then people are convinced and convicted of the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ, and then they show up at a parish, and it's crap. It's crap. Mm-hmm. It's worse than crap. It's soul-destroying. You can't leave because that's your job. So they found out so many people were leaving the church who are convinced and convicted because there's just nothing but death and sorrow in politics. So their whole thing was, how can we make the parish amazing? They frame it a lot around really focusing on the staff and the culture of the staff and building that up. So they reached out to us, mostly because I was the youth minister of one of their employees. Thanks, Actually, Alan. that's not true. I used to work with one of their uh, head guys. Anyways, Actually, on. that's not true because at Seek, I told them that uh, they need to sponsor our show, and he said, I'll call them right now. No, because we had the sponsor in before we met the Seek guy. Actually, this has been weeks in the making. Actually, I'm naked right now, covering myself in butter. <laughs> uh, it's not butter; it's it's um, <laughs> honey, and the flies are coming. <laughs> I'm sure they're <laughs> thrilled about this ad. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, I, um, I used to work with uh, uh, with like Matt Rudolph, who is like the number two or three guy there. Uh, we're actually going to have Patrick on the podcast next week, which we are super oh pumped Oh, my gosh. Can you about. believe this? This guy, I, no, I international, can't. I really can't. he gets flown all over the world to help organizations succeed. And in terms of what wow. he does, he's like Dave Ramsey-esque. So this is a really big deal. Um, it wouldn't I, surprise you know, me if Dave Ramsey's organization has had him out. Like, No, I'll, I would agree. Absolutely. Uh, so I was a little bit skeptical. I was a little bit skeptical about the about the yeah. Amazing Parish at first because when I um, I went to the conference in Atlanta two years ago and I was a little bit like, is this going to be like just like more polygenistic stuff where it's like if we just like solve this, everything's fine. And I was really impressed. They had they actually um, had a nun talk who was Aaron's old uh, old superior. <laughs> and it was incredible. I was like, and I, I believe I talked with, because um, again, like, I like Matt Rudolph from, we we both used to um, work together. And I was blown away by like her talk. And I kind of expressed my concerns to like Matt. And he like totally got, he kind of expressed how they're so grounded in prayer and how the encounter with the Lord is so important as a team and individually. And if you don't have that, this is all like pointless. And so, and then they, again, it's really a good thing of grace building upon on the nature. So I love the, amazing parish we are big big fans of it um 
They actually have a conference. It's going to be here in the Cincinnati area. I believe it's in May. I should know because I'm going to be volunteering. Uh, click the link, Luke. You forgot to click the link. Um, so they're going to have a conference here on the May 13th through the 15th. Um, again, that date is May 13th through the 15th. I really encourage we have we have a lot of priests who listen. I know you might be a little bit a little bit skeptical. Check this out. They are one of the good guys. Amazingparish.org. Again, that site is amazingparish.org. They have tons of resources online. They actually have a bunch of like modules online as well. All of it's completely free. I really these are good people doing really good things. And and again, we're gonna have um, we're gonna have uh, Patrick Amalcioni on the podcast next week. Uh, please check out their site, amazingparish.org. Was it Sister Regina Marie? Um, I don't think so. it would have been. Uh, d- does it say Carmelite? Is that OCD, the Order of the Discalced Carmelites? Oh, uh, maybe. In, in, is she a little bit older? Yeah, it might have been her. It was. I mean, it was like incredible. And then they did like adoration afterwards, and it was. They really. I was really impressed because they really did provide an opportunity for encounter with Christ as a church to happen. My favorite thing about Amazing Parish, so I went to the very, very, very first one they ever offered in Denver. It was it was pretty pretty amazing. Um, but when I, it, it gave me the opportunity to meet a woman that I regret not at all meeting. She was amazing. And me and Luke got to meet her again in person together at the SEAT conference, and that's Lisa Brennickmeyer from... Oh, Lisa! Yeah, Lisa Brennickmeyer from... Uh, Walking with purpose, and I was like, I don't remember. <laughs> I was like, there, there, there's a W. I've been drinking. What is it? Yeah, from walking with purpose. And she, as soon as we, I was like, hi. She's like, Michael Gormley, hello. You know, when I was interviewed on Catching Foxes, that was my favorite interview of all time. I loved it, and I was like, Hi, this is Luke. And she's like, oh, This is Luke. <laughs> it was awesome. So Good she's a part you. of it. Matt Marr is a part of it. Curtis Martin, Jeff Cavins, Sister Regina Marie, Father James Mallon. Uh, Matt Mann and Tom Corcoran, Father Michael White, Chris Stefanik, and Lisa Brennickmeyer. Those are like the the main mm-hmm. founding people. So, and if you go to the like website, guess who's on it? Our good friend from our podcast last last week, Father Michael O'Laughlin from Catholic Stuff. You should know. Do do do. How, how fun was that? Oh, that was awesome. Okay, so do we podcast. need to tell him to do anything else? Are we good? Nope, that's it. Yeah, We're get good. the book. Get the book. The Better Pastor. It's actually really awesome. Yeah, it'll take you an I, hour to read it all. It's great. I, I really do encourage you if you are like on the fence about going, go and just bring like your just like a few of your like top people at your parish who yeah. you are on the same page with, on the same page with, and you trust. It's a really great experience. So okay, Luke, I want you to open up Skype real quick. We're gonna do something mm-hmm. funny. Okay, open up Skype. Okay. okay. Okay, I'm gonna send you a picture. You'll find this okay. at Patreon.com. Okay, do you see that picture? <laughs> yeah. Okay, what's that picture? What do you see in that picture? A lot of white people. Patrick <laughs> Lencioni. And what is he doing? He's pointing towards himself. Okay. He's, it seems like from the talk that we're going to give before, it's like he's having kind of like an like an like an honest moment where he's telling a th- like a place where he screwed up or some type of a, some type of realization that he had. There's there is a woman up front who seems not angry but a, like a little bit like get to the point. <laughs> Wow, you are really investing in this. Okay, so I want you to do me another favor. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to send you this picture. I want you to take a long, hard look at it and now describe. What do you see over Patrick's shoulder? <laughs> <laughs> who, who do you see, Luke? 
I see you. Before you got the short haircut on the side and the long on top and the really long beard. I see 2000 and, uh, 2013 Michael Courtney. <laughs> trimmed beard. It's trimmed. <laughs> so when you click, when you go to amazingparish.org, you click conferences and events, and it'll take you to this page where you see a picture of Pat Lencioni. Uh, talk. Oh, no, you, know, you got to slide down to the Cincinnati conference, which is what I was doing. And there is a picture of him in the midst of the very first one. And I'm right over his shoulder directly behind his head. It's uh, funny how small that um, looks because I was at the last, I was at, I was at the one two years ago in, in Atlanta. It was gigantic. So in this image, there are about 400 people at okay. that event. At that oh. event, they were all around. This is like a quarter of them. Nice. Yeah. Kevin Cotter is going to be there. I'm very excited about him. I've I did didn't get a chance to talk with him at Seek, but we've talked a few times. He's a good dude. He is him and his wife Lisa. I've done a conference with Lisa. Um, I saw them at Seek, and we were like, "Hey, hey," and that was it. <laughs> good to see you. <laughs> no, this is actually a place that if they had been around, I didn't, if I had um known about them out at um Denver, I would have loved to have worked with them. So. Mm-hmm. All right, um, you ready to talk about some? Let's sit. Okay, here's a um, here's a new thing on catching on catching foxes called Luke and Gomer sip the damn tea. Dun, 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 dun. I already drank mine. Can we talk about the about church militant for just a second and their complete and utter bashing, their unjustified self like self righteous full of shit bashing of Steubenville because I am pissed as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I am pissed. I'm sorry if you don't like those words, but fuck Michael Voris, man. I'm done with him. Were you ever with him? <laughs> I, I was on. I understood his anger. I understood why Matt had him on his show. I thought it was a good thing. I got his anger. I like McCarrick and all of that. And, yeah. I, and, and like he went too far and this is flipping absurd. Yeah, they're I'm sure the amazing bears love that we thing just said Bob Rice's takedown because Bob Rice said that they he didn't yeah. say him by name but he said basically glorified blogs, they're not journalistic outlets and they're not. Mm-hmm. They do not adhere this is the thing that drives me insane when people like you might have investigate or uh you might release things that you discover like, you know, their big thing was on uh you know, the gay lobby and all that stuff. They really focus on a lot of that and uncovering this stuff with McCarrick and all the seedy underside of these priests or faux priests, um, they're, they're, you know, we all said like not church of militant TV is giving itself high fives or the one happy during the scandal. Cause they were like, we told you so, <laughs> but they're not I'm like, here's the deal about journalism. Like say like, I, there are journalistic standards and we like to say things like, Oh, the New York times, they don't have any journalistic standard. They want to skew your pay. And it's true. I mean, they, they come with their cognitive biases and they enforce them, but there are practices like you can oppose someone like mother Jones, but mother Jones does actual investigative reporting. You might not, you know, they do select a bias of the types of reports they'll cover and whatnot, but you're but, always going to have a bias. That's that's yeah. You're always going to have you a do bias your best to get around it. But. Right, right, right. And so my whole thing is, this organization, when you read the actual articles, they are terrible in terms of what they're alleging. And what they're alleging is essentially the president and the COO are super liberal and have a pro-gay, pro-LGBT plus agenda that they're slowly or quickly shoving down the throats 
of so many people. They're suppressing orthodoxy. We're warning you, all these great professors of the past, that they're going away, you know, all this stuff. Now, I will say this. There are some professors who absolutely do feel that way. Not maybe in every way that the article points out, but there are some professors who do, in fact, feel that way. But one of the great comments that Bob, Bob Rice wrote on his blog, I think it's bob-rice.com, was like, he's like, I'm surprised that this anonymous individual who, wrote, who contributed to this article uh, can guess what over half of the professors feel. He's like, there's like 200 professors. I don't know what they feel. And I'm a professor mm-hmm. with them for the last like 13 years. Well, and like, here's the thing that like really drove us. Okay, so for those of you guys that don't know, they went after Steubenville because one of, so the head of the English department had a class. I think it was, it was a graduate level class, I, don't I think they said, but I don't think Steubenville has a graduate level English. So anyways, yeah, whatever. No, I, I believe it was like a seminar or something where they, they were trying to compare strong Catholic books slash authors to one that have Catholic stuff, but is very, you know, quote unquote, anti-Catholic. And one of the books, and I would agree with this went too far and it wasn't appropriate for anyone to be reading. Yeah, it, it wasn't just using imagery, it was being pornographic. It was blasphemous. I mean, it was blasphemous pornographic stuff, especially involving the Blessed Mother. Yeah. Now, one of the things that like Michael Voris said is that is that one of the first things when they were asked about that, the the PR department at Simonville tried to explain what they were going for. And then they got all pissed off because one of the things that like Voris said was this is not the type of not the type of blasphemous stuff that like Catholics will encounter out out in the world, which isn't true. One of the most disgusting things I've ever heard was told to me by like by like a buddy of mine who was a bartender at the Olive Garden out out in Robinson, a half hour away from from campus by far the most blasphemous disgusting thing i've ever heard anyone say and he said it to try to just get like a rise out of me we were friends but i, I could just i like i knew what he was going for we were friends but it was also the olive garden <laughs> oh, gosh i missed I, it was such a good time so much drinking um and i was really mad with Voris because i i saw i understand why a teacher may want students to encounter this because that's some of the stuff that they're going to encounter out in yep. the work world or out like it does happen when you hang out with people who aren't Catholic, when you get out of your freaking bubble, you encounter people saying some crappy stuff about like holy things. You encounter real horribleness, like blasphemy. like you encounter you you encounter true blasphemy. And I was annoyed when it just felt like it just it just felt like they just wanted to go after Steubenville because yeah. They're just terrified. They're so scared. It just reeks of like they're scared of Steubenville not becoming this. I mean, Steubenville is one of the hardest places in the world to be liberal at, I think. Yeah. I really think yeah, that. Absolutely. I mean, I knew one active Democrat in college. I'm sorry, one student and one professor who taught a, who taught the Western, who was one of my favorite teachers there who taught a Western, um, he taught a Western civ class over the summer. He was a lawyer. Great guy. Great, great guy. And I really, but he, you know, he was, he was like left wing. And there's just this like hatred of the left 
from them that is so unhealthy and so not of God. And I'm just I like, like do not, I'm just sick of this. Don't go like, okay. Was that book the right thing? No. Doesn't mean this guy should be fired from his job. No. I think he made a mistake. The school's offering up a holy hour and, and you know, for this. And he was removed from his department head spot. Let it go for us. Let it go. You're doing, you are just tearing the church down. What you are doing is not of the Lord. Stop it. This needs to stop. It is not of Jesus. Stop. There is a bizarre fetishing of, of these certain people who have to, um, they're, they're heresy hunters, right? And they have to sniff it out of every nook and cranny. And uh, I was talking with a buddy of mine today, and he says he thinks this is like this offshoot. We're speaking not about the Franciscan thing, but about church militant as a whole. And the types of stories that they pursue um, are just as damning and damaging to the Catholic Church that, like, let's say, the American Catholic reporter on the left would do. We had a buddy who worked there who left, and he said, I felt like my whole job was to create hit pieces against the Catholic Church as Catholics. And in a way, you can see it's like, well, we're trying to speak truth to power. We're trying to hold them accountable. And I bet you Michael Voris would say the same thing in a lot of ways. Like, he, he would totally say the same thing. Like, I'm trying to root out heresy from America's foremost Catholic universities. They claim to be Catholic. No, that's just a bunch of wolves in sheep clothing. But this, but the weird thing is I do think it, it – it, there is, I don't know how to pr- approach this correctly because I want to say there is a way of understanding theology that is very black and white, and that's, that's correct, and a way of understanding theology that allows for a big tent. Michael Voris and people like him, whether they're on the right or the left, have no concept of that big tent idea, and they're extraordinarily puritanical in their approach of purifying the church from what they believe is, you know, the, the, the enemies within and without, you know, kind of thing. So you have the left doing that purifying, you know, feminism, you can't be pro trans or you have to be pro trans feminism, even though that uproots a, a large chunk of feminism. Right. And if you're the wrong type of feminist, even though you're a liberal progressive feminist, we're going to shut you down. But on the right for someone like Michael Voris and church militant, like it is a, like, I feel like they are gaining a perverse delight in destroying people who are not, you know, 99% in alignment with their views. And exactly. they and they would not say that. They would never admit that, but you hear it every single time. And my biggest thing is the tone of church militant. Now, this is speaking of someone who has read many 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 church militant articles. I've watched many YouTube videos because they are sent to my parish all the time. I get copied on dozens upon dozens of emails all the time. Right, And here's the thing that you end up discovering is there is a layer of vitriol over it all. There's this rage, not like concern, but rage. And I think the rage is there because hate bonds you more to the content than any other emotion. If I make you feel joy, you might love me and give me $2 on Patreon. But if I make you feel hate, you'll really love me and give me $20 on Patreon. Right. That, that is the business model. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what mm-hmm. I feel like. I've never written read things from them that where I finish the last sentence, I say, damn, I feel good about having read that. 
Like, I feel better as a Catholic having read that. No, it's like, I feel like we're going to take it to these punks over mm-hmm. and over and over again. And when you watch his show, The Vortex, right, where they're going to – The Vortex was created because he desperately wanted to be Bill O'Reilly. I mean, The Vortex, the no-spin zone, it's all the mm-hmm. same thing. But that approach is so antithetical to act like his dismissal of Bishop Robert Barron because he doesn't understand the difference between Hans Erzwan Balthazar's hope versus the the idea of universalism. Doesn't understand the difference, yet here it is. Number one criticism of Bishop Barron, he's responded to it numerous times, and yet constantly Michael Voris, well, here comes the good bishop airing again. You know, and you're like, oh, my gosh, you don't even understand what he's talking about. It's a hope. That's it. It's just a hope. And um, dare, so dare, I'm referencing, sorry, dare we hope all men might be saved as a book saved. by Hans Urs von Balthasar. That's all. Um, and I want everyone to know, like, I don't want anyone to think that Steubenville or it's, it's weird. I always call it Steubenville, but I always forget that everyone else calls it Franciscan. Um, That's because we who went there don't think there's anything worth referencing in the city of Steubenville. That's <laughs> probably true. Um, I went to sorry, Steubenville. That's Christy. a city. What's the name of the school? Yeah. The Franciscan University of Steubenville. Okay. Um, she's not without her faults. Yeah, tons. And I, I think we will gladly. I mean, we could make a. We could do a whole episode without it. Yeah, no, the infantilizing said, of freshmen. Yeah, <laughs> of the <laughs> whole student body. If you're on campus, um, I mean, we could do. You know, but. Now, that being said, it's also the school I tell people that if you can go, go. It's yeah. the greatest school in the world, in my opinion. I, I will defend her to my flipping death. Uh, she has done more for me than almost anything else in the world besides my own family and, my, and like, my youth group. I love – I mean, my parents met there for crying out loud. You know, like <laughs> there's a very good argument that that school d- does not exist. I'm not here right now. Yeah. No, that's my argument. <laughs> Thank you, son of a bitch. Um, I have a photograph of kid. your parents meeting at at Steubenville, and I'm just waiting for it to fade, just like I'm back to the future. <laughs> right, back to the future. Get That's rid awesome. of Luke, <laughs> George. Um, <laughs> Replace him with Father John. <laughs> um, okay, so okay, so like again, I, I want to be clear. Like we could do a whole episode on all her faults. No place is perfect. No place is perfect. Poe body's um, nerfect. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, like and, and like even like the way that I viewed that school at my time there probably wasn't good at times. And like I have my own issues that I need to work through. Where like I'm I'm where I'm probably wrong. Where like I needed to grow. You know. So like yeah. I'm just like just it's a it's too much. And I think on Matt Frad when he had him on a really good point. He asked, "Is Michael Voris right?" And if he's right, we need to pay attention to what he is saying. And I think Matt brought it was a very good point, yeah. and it was a very interesting interview that Matt did. I'm glad that like he did it. And one thing I asked Matt to ask him, I don't know if he did or not, um, is I think um, one of the things that bothers me is that they is that Church Militant brings up some really important issues, yeah, but they lose a lot of credibility the way that they cover those issues. And I think they've ultimately harmed the church more than they've helped because there was important things that they understood and that they could articulate well, but they did it in a way that discredited them. And so we never quite bought in. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point because it's not just like, yeah, it's not just the content that you're delivering. It's the way and manner in which you're delivering it. And when it does feel like a – 
Yeah, and when it does feel like this witch hunt-esque thing, it's like, oh, God, there they go again. Okay, yeah, you're right. Everyone's gay, even the Cardinals. And you're like, holy crap, the Cardinals are having gay orgies, <laughs> right? Like, or whatever it was. You're like, what <laughs> is this craziness, right? But I don't believe him. I have to wait for third, fourth, fifth parties to confirm it. In a million years, I would not believe Boris. And then when Boris came after J.D. Flynn saying he's a shill oh. for the bishops, which is so funny. They, they think that they get money from the bishops. They don't. They don't get – he doesn't get paid from bishops. And, and yeah. oh, gosh. And I said, J.D., are you going to attack this? And he's like, oh, no, no. Other people have already done that. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I just yes. step back and watch. I, I don't need to defend my – I don't need to lower myself to deal with him. But this is the problem. But I, I, we will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we would definitely do that. But I think one of the problems of new media is it is old media had so many gatekeepers. New media doesn't. On average, it is better for the world that there is more lower new media than there is a handful of big old media like the New York Times, the L.A. Times. It's better that there's more of these and that they're, you know, they're small, they're nimble and all this stuff. But the problem is those old safeguards and ombudsmen and the um, layers of editorial that separates, you know, they used to call it the separation of church and state, editorial from advertising and all this stuff. But once you have a new media organization where they're not all trained in journalism, where they haven't taken journalistic ethics, where they don't have layers of fact checkers and editors, and then, on, you know, like you have these layers that have built, been built into this system that it's not just about knee-jerk reporting of the news. It, and, and actually, I think those blogs, that the people that rose up in the blogosphere, blogs, writers for blogs that have maintained a consistent and big audience are those who impose restraint on themselves. Like I think in the Mac world, you have all these rumor podcasts that came up and they are gone. Most of them are gone. But Mac rumors isn't because they have a journalistic integrity. And it's like, we're not just going to publish every rumor. We're going to, you know, do our two or three um, corroborating instances and before we report and all that stuff. But this, it's like, this is one of the problems you see of this young new media. It's like, I have a camera that's high quality. I got a way to edit video. All of a sudden, I'm going to grow a YouTube channel media empire. And you look at this and you're like, who is saying, who's calling foul within your own organization? Right? Like, I think about that all mm. the time. Who's calling foul that when you wrote that article that can be so easily picked apart in its unprofessionalism, right? Mm -hmm. A professor says that most, or uh, a, a person close to the university says most professors feel this way. And it's like, why did they poll them? Did they have conversations with every single one of them and were able to understand which ones feel that way, which ones don't? And realize there's was a it a 21-year-old kid? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a student that said that. Most of my professors feel this way. It's even worse, you know? So you can understand. I'm like, okay. So, yeah. So I, I reached out to Bob Rice, and I really want to have him on the show soon to kind of talk about oh, me too. the shenanigans. In fact, it would have been good to get him on the show today. <laughs> oh, but Luke, uh, we can't have Bob Rice. You know who we can't have? Patrick Lencioni. Nope. Who? Maybe the next future Mrs. Gormley. What? This is where you insert the advertisement for Catholic Mass. Oh. <laughs> when I talk about the future Mrs. Gormley, because I'm going to get a wife, my marriage and old. So, everyone, we have another sponsor for today's episode. It is freaking Catholic Match. It is. It has happened. They're back. The juggernaut of... Catholic dating has decided to partner with the aunt of Catholic podcast. <laughs> we're not the aunt of Catholic podcast. We're more like 
what are we? We're more like the meerkat. <laughs> of the Catholic, meerkat podcast. Catholic podcast. <laughs> CatholicMatch.com. You have all heard of it. You've all made jokes about it. You all have you all have like buddies who have like got married because of it. CatholicMatch.com. Faith focused dating. Uh, it's the largest Catholic, uh, it's the largest Catholic dating site in the freaking world. Bam. Um, if, okay. So Gilmer, I think we can both agree. Catholic, um, dating's pretty broken across the country in the adult scenes because people are hooked on porn. Agree or disagree in one, in one line. I agree. And then some. So, um, and so we have tons of women out there who don't get asked out because guys are like weak. And they actually have like weak testosterone because of porn and blah 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 blah. So um, <laughs> you, I really do. Listen, listen. This. Here's the deal: they have a low T count because they've been masturbating to pornography instead exactly. of actually being in community. <laughs> the fact of actually being physically active in the sunlight with people, especially people of the opposite sex, is proven to raise your T <laughs> your T count. So, bros, <laughs> pick up heavy objects, run occasionally, and be around girls in the physical world. And you want to do that? Porn. It's stop looking at porn. You want to do that all of the above catholic match meet so real I, human persons exactly and i think um, catholic match is great because it gives it like you, you like all of us um, need to be in one way or another try to pursue our primary vocation if you're and if you're really called to like marriage and if you aren't on dating anyone right now this is a good opportunity and a good way i think to pursue your vocation so go to catholicmatch.com sign up for it they do great stuff i had uh one two i mean i dated a couple girls from catholic match had one big relationship from that site so blessed that i did it really impacted um my own life and my own family in some really great ways it obviously did not work out but i'm very glad that i dated this girl for a period of time such a great experience um when i was in a place where there weren't a lot of options in terms of like Catholic dating, Catholic match really helped and provided me that opportunity to really pursue, yeah. really pursue my vocation. People don't think important. about that at all. But like, if you're in a community and we get this all the time, like people talk about Catholic dating and they say like, what do I do if, and one of those if situations is if there's not a lot of Catholics in my area, whether you live in a rural or you live in the burbs mm -hmm. or you live in a big city and you just can't find them. And when you go to mass, you look around and everyone's in the 80 plus category. Um, octogenarians. So one of the great ways to do this is catholicmatch.com. Go to Catholic Match and just discover right the people that are actually within driving distance even of of you know of where you're living. And so that way you can experience good Catholic community on top of, you know, pursuing, you know, potential relationships. And here's the best thing. It doesn't, maybe it doesn't end up in marriage, but it could end up in friendship. And that's awesome. Exactly. Because you don't want to be alone. Uh, especially, I mean, there, I just got an email from this one woman in the middle of a busy city. I think she's in New York and she said, I have zero Catholic community. And I'm like, you're like an hour drive from the universe. Like, like I mean, you're, you could go anywhere in the universe yeah. within an hour, you know, whether you want to go to the burbs, the country, upstate New York, whatever it is. And she just feels so alone. And so these are perfect tools. I mean, this is part of new media that we can embrace, right? Um, yeah, our so. good friends of the show, um, David, after his, uh, the tragic death of his wife and our friend, he met. Uh, I love having the he met her like the first hour he was on Catholic Match. Oh, he's I now, know. He's now I, I white. Love that story. Yeah, yeah, and and then I was uh, 
preoccupied with another crisis in our friends, and I couldn't go down and meet her. So, um, but yeah, this is, Catholic Match has been forming Catholic couples for years. This is a great place to go. You should go. So, CatholicMatch.com. If you feel like you're called to like marriage and you're not dating anyone and you don't ha- and you don't have a profile, this is your sign. Go and do it right now. CatholicMatch.com. Faith Emotion Focus. Dating CatholicMatch.com. Hey. Thank you to Catholic Match for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. Hey, I got a great idea, Luke. Hmm. Okay, so if you are currently single and, and you've never made a Catholic Match profile or you have a Catholic Match profile and you're a listener of the show, you have to find – we have to come up with some way that they can post a Catching Foxes thing or just link their profile onto like either our Facebook page or our Patreon account or, or put Love something it. funny like – like at the bottom of your profile, put catching foxes made me do this. I think that would be so fun. <laughs> That'd be so, awesome. Yeah. No matter where you are, listen, no matter where you are, you can be in Australia right now. Catholicmatch.com. Catching foxes made me do it or something funny like that. Catching, no, I, I think that's great. So at the very bottom of, of, of like, like bio or whatever it's called, type in catching foxes made me do it. Can I tell you a great story about us and Catholic match? You better. So I had a buddy of mine who was on there, and there was a picture of us from New Year's Eve, like back in like 2013. This is like two or three years ago, like, like right as we started to like get kind of big. And some girl con- contacted him and goes, is that Luke Carey in your profile? And he's just like, yeah. And she goes, are you friends with him? And he's like, yeah. And she just goes, I think about like um what it what it would be like to be his friend all the time that is so cool and he's like <laughs> okay <laughs> oh man that is funny so again at the bottom of your profile put in put in captain foxes made um made me do it and um maybe for like a day only try to like talk to people who have that in their profile <laughs> yeah. i mean this, if you listen to us you already know that you have heroic virtue in common. Exactly. Right? Because the, only the heroically patient would listen to an entire show with us. So that, that's beautiful. And it's and it's the perfect end. So if you're a dude, grow some balls and go and be like, hey, what's your favorite episode? Mine is blah, 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 blah. And then, like, talk about us. There you go. <laughs> that, you're welcome. That would be name funny. your first child Luke Gormley or Gormley Luke. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so funny if we created, like, an entire subculture and it was like people would put like hashtag CF, hashtag 185 for like their favorite episodes and like all this stuff. <laughs> oh, really? Awesome. You're, oh, I'm sorry. She's a uh, above 100-er. I'm a below 50-er. That's, uh, I only listened to the episodes 1 through 50 before they went viral. Uh, the Catching Foxes Golden Era are really episodes 8 through 36. So That's what um, Joey thinks. <laughs> Joey's like, I loved all your early podcasts. Joey, I can't be that guy anymore because I moved on with my life. Why won't you let me be? (laughs) Sorry, Luke. Here's some Jack Daniels. Go make something of yourself. (laughs) And by something, I mean nothing. (laughs) Um, Okay, I'm going to make it. So we are both in the household AMDG. And if AMDG is, like, known for anything, it is for making outlandish promises and then never falling through. Go on. So look at you, Brian Kissinger, who everyone adores. Um, if you, the first couple that actually gets married because in their 
like through Catholic match because and they started to talk because on their bio they put Catching Foxes made me do it. Luke, I love Gomer where I this is going and I fully fly. endorse it before you get there. Go. Gomer and I will fly out to your to your, your like wedding and we will MC the whole reception. <laughs> we, will, we will pay for it out of our own pockets. Whoa, whoa, we whoa, 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 whoa. We will not pay for your reception. <laughs> we will pay for our no, plane no. tickets. We will pay to for your our plane wedding. tickets and our hotel. You'll pay for our booze. Um, and we we'll will make fly you out there, and we will MC your reception to the first couple who meets, and then obviously dates gets married, <laughs> and, they, and they have to first meet because of the of, of the catchy foxes made me do it part of their gosh, profile. Luke, Luke, that would be so funny. Oh my gosh, could you could you imagine? You know what I, I think? I think of like these stories where people stumble. They're doing a side hustle, and it leads to a thing, which leads to a thing, which is now their career. What if our career was to like MC weddings? And this is the oh, story man, of how it is, began. The Luke and Gomer. We are so much fun at weddings, too. We are fun. We are so much fun. We are fun. You know who we are? We're the guys who always becomes friends with the bride's family because we're um, cause we are usually there for the groom. Um, yeah. the groom. Um, and for the most part, you always have the whole like single people tend to stick together because we're scared of like branching out. And um, because what if we bro- read books that have pornographic descriptions in them? <laughs> <laughs> Heaven forbid we kiss a person who's not from here. Um, uh, and I feel like I feel like we were. I, I mean, I, I could speak for myself, but I want to say this is true for you as well. We always became friends with like the with like the bride's family because we love to like just like meet people and like, oh, hang out yeah. and drink. Oh yeah. So we'll bring everyone together. It'll be a party. We also we also have this ability. We we tend to go generations back. Have you noticed that too? Like with Adam's family at his wedding, we're like hanging out with like the aunts and the uncles too. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. That's yeah, yeah, so yeah. funny. And we give the best toast. One of my my all time. I have to say this, and I don't want, I don't want to be rude to anyone else, but my all time favorite wedding I think was Jason Carter's when Jason oh, and Nikki movie. got married drank so much we did we did we but did. it was a, it was a good the way. most yeah beautiful was. reception that it i was had really cool the wedding was great i got to do a reading i got to do my favorite <laughs> reading of all time which is the song of songs song chapter of songs. two which i have all of it memorized and when i read the part which says my lover is like a gazelle or a young stag i stared at jason carter longingly <laughs> the great nikki's grandfather great-grandfather he came up to me and he goes, you are the young man who did the reading, right? And I go, uh, yeah, that was me. That was me. And he goes, I have to say, that was the best reading I've ever heard in a church. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you. And he goes, hey, hey, hey. It was also the funniest. You were looking over at Jace. That was so funny. <laughs> it's like, because it was in Philadelphia. I was losing my yeah. mind. The guy was. Whose kneecaps do you want me to break? Yeah. That fat guy who's balding at 22? I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. I won't even charge you a nickel. Hell, I'll pay you. <laughs> that guy named John, who's clearly a fake, a fake Italian guy who says he's from, <laughs> from Atlanta, but it's really from New Jersey. I'll break his legs as well. No one who's from Atlanta would get a tattoo like that in the early 2000s. Clearly Jersey. (laughs) The views spoken on this podcast are not necessarily the opinions held by both podcasts. John is going to be so... I can just see him in his car getting like gritting his his teeth and stuff. He's going to be so angry. (laughs) You're you're a bad friend, Luke. You're a bad friend. I love my friends. Sorry. Inside jokes give you inside listeners. So let's bring all the listeners on the inside. 
Right. Yeah. Oh, hey, can yeah. I tell you guys about a cool Catching Foxes wedding? Yeah. You guys might recall episode inserted here while you edit, Gormley. Uh, we, like Mary Margaret <laughs> is... Just look it up while you die. Sing- <laughs> so I don't want to edit. Mary Margaret is single. Uh, she actually got married like two nights before at like at the end of December. It was one of the most fun weddings I've ever been to. So con- so con- congratulations, Maggie. I love you. I'm so happy for you and for your husband, whose name I'm forgetting. I'm sorry. I'm- oh, Jeff. Wait, is it Jeff? Yeah, yeah. It's Jeff. I'm a shitty friend. Jeffrey. Um, her husband's yeah. really cool. It was a fun wedding. They had, a, they had the best live band I've ever seen at a wedding with a beautiful, it was a beautiful church, beautiful wedding. So many cool people from school. It was great to hang out with Ashley, Patreon supporters. So I forgot to say thank you for your support, Holly and Jonathan. You guys are incredible. So good to see you guys. Yeah, that, um, that's episode uh, 73. Um, Which is one of our better ones. Mary Margaret is single, an interview. It was about an hour yeah. and a half long. And it was great talking with her. It was just a straight. It was just great. It was just great. That yeah. was the one that um, when Luke and Maggie sat down to record it, uh, I wasn't feeling well, so I couldn't be in on the recording. I was super bummed because I love Maggie. She's such a great person. And um, I tried to edit your episode, and it was crap. The audio was just terrible. Oh, so I was like, right. we yeah. have to re-record it. And we re-recorded the whole thing. We talk about loneliness, hobbies, happiness, and family. Luke hits on her mom again. We talk about how breakups <laughs> change from your 20s and to I your did. 30s. And how Luke is a terrible, terrible dater. We don't talk about <laughs> chastity ever. <laughs> and how, like, you two just, like, share, like, battle moves from my relationships. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I know. And she's, like, I mean, all jokes aside, um, Maggie is one of my most dear, dear friends who I just adore. Um, she's one of those people that, like, the Lord really did bless me to not be interested in her because it would have ruined it. And uh, it sounds weird, but yeah, I, I think just, the Lord blessed her. Yeah, b- probably. Um, I would not have gone through my 20s without her. I love her to death, and yeah. her family's fantastic, and her husband's such a such a cool dude. The church, um, the you wedding. sent us a couple photos. That Beautiful. Catholic church was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. That they got Dude, married. Cleveland? Okay, so Cleveland gets crapped on a lot. It has some beautiful buildings. And yeah. so I think I told you and Matt this over at, um, at the, the Seek conference. I'm, I want to get more into architecture. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I understand, like, and it's because of being here in like Cincinnati, we have some beautiful architecture as well. It's all, like, um, turn of the century or, like, um, like 1880s kind of kind of stuff, and same thing out in Cleveland. These beautiful buildings. I mean, freaking beautiful. And I just wish I would that I could know more about them. So I bought a couple books. I've already started to read them. Oh, very, very cool. excited about that. Yeah, you yeah. know, growing up in Oklahoma, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there are these very distinct buildings that are in the downtown area, and they are these super Art Deco buildings. And architecture. I mean, they're beautiful. There's like a United Methodist Cathedral. There's you know a handful of of the oil, but it's all because of that oil money, right? Got to get that oil money in the mm-hmm. 20s and 30s. And Frank Lloyd Wright's students had helped build, I think he built one building, but they built some buildings down there. It, it's just fascinating. And that's what drew me in. I got an early age to be like, wow, these really are completely different from every other type of building that was built, you know, in the 60s and the 80s mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I left in the late 90s, but uh, that always kept my mind. And then you, you go and see Houston, and Houston has no sense of itself. In terms of where the city ends, the suburbs begin, the suburbs end, the rural life begins. It's all just an amorphous blob waiting to consume even more land. 
And uh, I've always hated that about Houston. Its glory is in the is in the like the things that happen inside. So in Tulsa, you would have like, look at these beautiful mm-hmm. buildings, look at this beautiful architecture, and all this stuff. In Houston, you don't go really anywhere. There's some places that are pretty unique and awesome, hmm. you know. But then it's really the the it's really the people. I mean, I don't know. How, that sounds cliche, but it's like the people on the nightlife and the, all that stuff that Houston's good at. Mm-hmm. No, no, I would agree with that. Um, I have to pee really, really badly out of nowhere. Uh, can we take? Uh, a, well, hopefully out of your penis. <laughs> can we take a two minute break? <laughs> <laughs> oh, please let that be the first. Like when you have the, we always have like a, like a really like hilarious line at the beginning, and then you just do the song. That needs to be it. Okay. Well, can we just end the show right now? Um, if you want, I had um one more um topic, but if you feel like this is good, I think we're good, and I might think that take that segment and slap it into as a That's bonus fine. episode. Impeachment. That's fine. Yeah. All right, everyone. My name is Michael Gormley. You can find me at. I just said my name is Michael Gormley. That was weird. I know, right? Weird. Hi, friends. I'm Michael Gormley. You may <laughs> Hi, have been <laughs> listening. Call me Mike. <laughs> None of my best friends do. They call me Gomer. The other day, I was giving a talk at Life Teen, and I said, "Hello, everyone. My name is Mike Gormley, but my friends call me Gomer. So you can call me Mister Gormley." <laughs> and I just stared at them and I just left. <laughs> and you're like, "You're all ugly and you smell." Is it is it just me? Is it just me, or do high school students just not care anymore? Like, come on, kids, fake it. I'm Mike Gorman. I'm a D-list Catholic celebrity. You fake it. Hey, after seek, we're like a C-list now. I would uh, like to say. Dum dum dum. You can find me at. You can find Seek Celebrity Michael Gormley <laughs> at <laughs> Lay Evangelist on Twitter. You can find Luke at the Luke V. You can find our show at catchingfoxes.fm. That's the website and host of our podcast. Um, if you want to learn more about how to do a podcast, we got some blog posts and stuff like that up there. Um, and a special thanks to our sponsors, Catholic Match, as well as the amazing parish. Go to CatholicMatch.com, make your own profile today, and put in the profile, Catching Foxes made me do it. Let let us know. Get a screenshot to us on the Facebook page or on Patreon. If you want to support us, patreon.com slash CF. And you have to go and visit the Cincinnati page of the Amazing Parish Conference and see if you can find my face hiding behind Patrick Lencioni. Odd that your face would be there on the Cincinnati part. Odd, huh? Majestic. Hmm. Majestic in its coincidence. Hmm. Ah, All right, Luke, man. I love you, buddy. You tired? I'm so tired, but I, I will tell. see. I will see you in exactly. No, not even exactly. About a month? In a month and a day? In a month and a day? I'm excited. Atlanta. If day. you got peeps in Atlanta, bring, me and Luke are looking for something to do on Saturday night or Sunday night. Let us know. Yeah. Let us know. Cool. All right. God bless right. y'all. Stay close. Bye. Bye. Stopping in three, two, one.